Disaster Divas, it's Amanda. I don't normally get to do the intro, so this is a fun change of pace for me. Uh, just popping in to say that COVID has struck the team, and so we weren't able to record Beast this week. Instead, we're going to do a reissue of our first episode, Volcano. I thought it would be fun, especially since we've got a bunch of new listeners, uh, to give you guys a real feel for what we, how we started and kind of what the vibe of the podcast is. So if you have heard this before and don't want to hear about the roving gangs of Hard Rock Cafe Abandoned Children, please feel free to skip. We'll be back next week with Beast. In the meantime, if you can take a few seconds to rate and review on all the appropriate podcasting methods it'd be greatly appreciated and as always we're on disaster underscore pod on twitter uh, if you want to hang out with us there as well thanks again and see y'all back next week for beast this is a test of the emergency podcast system repeat this is a test of the emergency podcast system Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, Amanda. Jordan. Well, I'm so glad to be here with you today in our inaugural episode of the Disaster Girls podcast in which we really break down something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Oh my God. Beloved film. Probably the thing that the movie that got us both talking about doing a disaster movie podcast was when we started to discuss our shared love of the movie Volcano. Volcano starring Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Heche and really a murderer's row of other actors. A truly stunning array of, hey, it's that guy. (laughs) Absolutely. A hall of fame of that guy. Cavalcade of that guy. Ooh. A night of a thousand that, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I guess let's do a, a brief synopsis of the movie Volcano mm-hmm. in case the people listening, uh, the the tens of you listening, yes. have not heard ever of this movie before, but uh, it is about a volcano. Yes, as the as the native Los Angelino at the table, I think it is, I think it is on you to, okay. to lay this one out for us. So uh, this is a movie about what would happen if a volcano erupted in the middle of West Los Angeles. Um, it stars Tommy Lee Jones as the head of the Office of Emergency Management, which is a real bureau. Um, and, and in this universe has a lot of power. Well, so they do explain in the opening, they have that card in yes. the beginning that does explicitly say, in the event of an emergency or natural disaster, the director has the power to control and command all the resources of the city. You're so right. So they do make sure to, like, in case anyone's going to wonder, which honestly, I would never, I would watch this and be like, yeah, it's Tommy Lee Jones. I'm not questioning why right. he has the power to do these things. Because he is like, like the chief of police is answering to him. Yeah. Like you feel like the governor could call and would answer to him in this, in this particular scenario. Yeah. No, Tommy Lee Jones becomes, when there's a disaster, becomes the president of, of Los Angeles. <laughs> and that's just what it is. Um and so I just, I, I, which is why like Tommy Lee Jones is the perfect casting for this because you mm. watch The Fugitive. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that man was made to give orders. Yeah, I, I, that's for me, that's U.S. Marshals. Yeah. That's where, to me, is really the, the center of his power is that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it is. So anyway, so Tommy Lee Jones is the uh, king of Los Angeles mm-hmm. because there is a 5.0 earthquake in Palmdale, which yes. is very far away from Los Angeles, but it, it leaves the city in shambles. And then a volcano erupts out of the La Brea Tar Pits. Yes. Um, this brings him into the orbit of plucky geologist mm-hmm. um, and volcanologist Anne Heche. I, I would don't call her brassy, too. Oh, absolutely. She yeah. is, yes. She is brass. She is directly from a screwball comedy in the 1940s. <laughs> um, very saucy, very sharp-witted. Mm-hmm. Ambiguously um, gay as well. So <laughs> straight we out of the code era. We didn't know, but she is. Um <laughs> And yeah, so Anne, a geologist, Anne Heche, who is tasked with basically being the only geologist in all of Los Angeles who can now save the city. Yeah. Um, but it's also a movie about so much more than all of that. And that is going to be one of the joys of the Disaster Girls podcast is getting at really the true meanings of these movies. Yeah. Sometimes it, it, it might be the meaning you see on its face, but other times like we're going to prove today with Volcano how it how it goes so much deeper um, emotionally, sociopolitically, yeah. ethically. 
Um, and I'm excited for us to dig into those kinds of themes too. Yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes a gun is just a gun, but sometimes a gun is a penis. And in this case, the volcano is a lot of different penises. <laughs> it's a whole, it's, a, it's exploding fissure of penises. But also we're gonna go a vagina that. at one point, which we will touch upon. When it's killing people, yes. If it's, it's just a swallowing wing. people to their death, yeah. it's a vagina. When it's demonstrating power, like the, you know, likes, what is it? The likes of which Los Angeles has never seen. Then, never. It's, then it's penises. Um, which, a lot of penises. Um, so, <laughs> I was going to say, which... The likes of which Los Angeles has never seen. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, this we're going to start with our our, our first feature uh, of this podcast will be the reality index, where we really break down for you where this movie jibed with us and where it did not. Yeah, and this is not about how realistic it is in the sense of like could this happen because right. Like I can I can give you a full on breakdown of how geologically inaccurate this is, mm-hmm. and the answer is quite. <laughs> Uh, vast, like in the sense that volcanoes do exist, it is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that anything else in this movie makes sense, it is not accurate. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that's not why we're here. No. Not not literal accuracy. No. I mean, like if I want literal accuracy, I'm going to go to Dante's Peak, which we will be doing at another yes, date. Yes, we will go there. Oh yeah, because that acid lake is that acid weight lake waits for no man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's talk about some of the realism of this, like, for example, the geography of the city. Yeah, as, as um, and we have touched on this before in our one-on-one conversations without microphones, that as a, as a recent transplant to Los Angeles, just three years, I was very impressed now that I have uh, more touch points with the city about how true it felt to actually how it's, to how it's actually laid out. Yeah. When you often see like streets are reversed or like you're not shooting there, you're at UCLA right now. Like they, they are where they say they are. And you know how we know where they are because they say the Beverly Center about 60,000 fucking mm-hmm. times. Oh yeah. The movie. Beverly Center is, <clears throat> was not from that point on featured in another program. <laughs> Until someone killed themselves in transparent at it's it. It's barely featured in Los Angeles currently. Yeah. Where it has undergone a remarkable excavation that no one cares about. No one atten- No one goes to the Beverly Center. <laughs> I do actually, I forgot to mention this to you. I do remember as a child going to the Beverly Center while they were filming Volcano. Was the Beverly Center, what I want to know, was it an actual hotspot? Yeah. When you oh, were growing- okay. Okay. So here's the thing. Like this, so I was timely, telling you. Timely reality. Yes. I was telling you this like at the time. Oh, dinner our, our very long wait for dinner earlier so much of this movie is basically just like watching my childhood okay um independent of the volcano part which didn't happen but mm-hmm. i did have a real phobia of um but like the hard rock cafe that was a major landmark <laughs> right having a like a sign ticking away at how many acres of rainforest are being torn down and how many people were being born that's yeah that i forgot that's, that that's a, right that, there that's right that's there been there since that time like that's well been it's there gone now along. but okay. it was it's gone now because it, it's but it, it was there up until like a few years ago so growing up that was there the beverly center was where you went there okay. used to be an arcade at one point so young Gabby Hoffman, Gabby Hoffman is wanting to as go Tommy there. Lee Jones's daughter in this yeah. movie. Her desire deeply to go to the Beverly Center is founded. It, it, what year? What year was this made in? I'm forgetting now. 97, 96, 96. Or 96 or ninety seven. Okay, so appropriate for a thirteen year old to want to go totally, to the Beverly Center. I got my ears pierced at the Beverly Center. She wanted to get a piercing at yeah, the Beverly. Center. She would have gone to the to the icing, which was up on the third floor, okay. by, or I, technically like the eighth floor. Um, it's a weird mall uh, by the food court. She mm-hmm. would have probably gone to Mrs. Fields, which would have been right across the way, <laughs> gotten herself a cookie, eaten it with her new nose piercing. Um, but yeah, so that was like that the, in the beginning when they showed the sunset Marlboro man. And mm-hmm. that was like that giant Marlboro man cut out was on sunset for my entire childhood, just welcoming you into West Hollywood, which I didn't appreciate at the time that like this giant gay cowboy was right there. I mean, it, we're really treated in this movie in the intro to the supercut yeah. smash up between L like magma tubes, yeah, and Tommy Lee Jones's morning routine, and right. and, and L A. and life around L A. You see the Randy's Donut sign. There's the Marlboro Man. Yeah, you really do get this fun slice of life um, about the city, and it, it, if all we're the talking, gardeners with their blow with their with their blow things. Yeah, yeah, with the yeah, exactly. I, I can't because you said that. I cannot think. I don't. Of what they're those called would blow things. <laughs> And I, I think this gets to a point of reality about it that I do really enjoy, which is that having more of a familiarity now with Los yeah. Angeles, it actually felt, 
I was like, oh, they didn't lie about the geography. I do feel like I get this movie more yeah. now that I've lived here. It's It feels like it would have to have, it feels like your enjoyment of the movie can be improved with a greater understanding of Los Angeles. It's like a series of inside jokes. You really can't truly appreciate the movie Volcano until you've lived in Los Angeles for six months. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, no, it's it's not just like an inside baseball thing. It's sort of like how, you know, the the... With Sex in the City, you have to really go to New York and you're like, oh, I get it now. Men in New York are trash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you have to really, it's not practical to walk everywhere in stilettos, but you do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Same thing in LA with, with watching Volcano. You have to watch it so you can be like, Dennis Woodruff's car is in the is being carried away by all the lava. Yeah. I have seen his car. I have seen Angeline. I have seen Angeline. I've seen, the Angeline billboard was something the I Angeline so billboard, appreciated. I am so glad that that lives on. Yeah. And that it gets a feature. It like catches yeah. fire from a lava bomb, of course. Yeah. And then it c- careens down onto Wilshire Boulevard mm-hmm. where Angeline's face is right up there against the camera as it burns. It's perfect. Which feels like the tribute she deserves. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like she will be immortal now because of this and is exactly, I don't know what she was aiming for. I don't know what she ever was going to get from those billboards. <laughs> <laughs> but she got it yeah. with Volcano. But she got it. She got it. Like I've, I've seen her at the Vons on um, Doheny a few times. I cannot think of something more humanizing than seeing <laughs> Angeline at a Vons. Oh, she's at the Vons. Yeah. I mean, that's your that's your that's your Albertsons. That's your Safeway. Yeah. That like outside of the regional specificities, there's nothing less glamorous but than a it, Vons. It, but it's the one on Doheny in Santa Monica. <clears throat> so it is in the. It's like the Vons that's at the gateway to. Um, um, West, Hollywood. West Hollywood. So it's a very, and it's like the nicest Vons you'll ever be in. They have <laughs> like acres of fresh fruits because like it's for a gay neighborhood. So like they have higher standards than the rest of us trash people. Right, yeah. um, and so, and she goes there, I think not so much to grocery shop as to be like recognized. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I do genuinely want to at some point be like, I love your work in Volcano. <laughs> yeah. I think she'd be nice enough to just graciously smile. I, I hope so. I would like to think so. Well, and I, I think a, I think that gets a, a lost when you when you don't live here that you you really can appreciate once you have is that the lava travels a total in its first iteration. <laughs> this blew my goddamn mind watching yeah. it again last night because it had been a while. And the lava in its first explosion, when it comes out of the La Brea tar pits, it moves that whole harrowing like it's hour the of movie of the second act. That that whole act moves about four blocks. Yeah, like that is what when you when you are watching it and you're thinking because in my mind that had covered half of Los Angeles, half the city was devastated, never going to recover. They're going to have to build on lava beds. It is truly a, a besides Stanley Avenue, <laughs> which is representative of. Uh, you know, the hood, I guess. Yeah. In this context. In this movie, it is. Yeah, it is meant to invoke the, because this is the 90s and it really touches on those topical right. aspects of like the Rodney King riots, which are shouted out. It's meant to serve as like Crenshaw, but they, they're they called, they're saying just Stanley Avenue over and over again. And it, they be, it got hit by some lava bombs, but it is in no way at all in the path of the lava. No, especially because there's a big dip that goes through that whole area. Yeah. So that lava would just crater right the fuck out. And there there are no homes on that stretch. Like no residential, no residents, actually people's homes are damaged by the lava moving in this movie. And even in its second iteration, when it comes through up at the Beverly Center, it is contained immediately because the plan works. So the property damage from Volcano truly minimal it's it's a yeah. tragedy to lose the los angeles county museum of art which definitely gets swallowed up but they got sort of i mean they got all they got all the good paintings out apparently right because of the incredible hieronymus bosch <laughs> joke the best hieronymus bosch joke in cinema let's be <laughs> honest i mean that like having two service workers like carrying these paintings out and one says this is Hieronymus, ba- Hieronymus Bosch is heavy. And the guy answers like, it's because he's exploring like the existential <laughs> heartache of life. And the guy who says it was heavy goes, it's not what I meant. And then it just cuts away. Yeah, it's that's the, the joke of that is worth the entire movie is that one perfect joke of just 
why is that necessary? Why does it matter? It's perfect. There's so many moments in that there movie really are. where they're just so fucking funny. So funny. Like even like there's there's that joke. There is the there's the I mean and this I think ties the, to the reality index as well. There's the when the um the featured uh Stanley Avenue resident who is African-American encounters the racist white police officer. Yeah. His immediate response is, oh, look, it's Mark Furman, which I did not understand when I saw this at 12. But no. seeing this now was like, that is a great topical reference It's a there. great joke, especially because when you look at the cop himself, you're yep. like, wow, did they just pull him directly from the KKK? Yep. Or because they just, they whatever they, whatever listing they put out there mm -hmm. for like, we want to find the most racist looking cop yeah. possible. And and Sam Rockwell's not quite at our radar. No, he yet. wasn't he wasn't which is surprising. He could have been in this movie given yeah. if this was in? made now, that cop would be racist cop would be Sam Rockwell. Yeah. He'd just be like, well, I just need to stay in character some more for some more method acting. So. And, and he would have a very Sam well, Sam Rockwell racist character redemption arc, which to, this guy to this does character have. in this movie because he he tries like here like I feel like the reality index on this like really it, it like it is very real in a perverse way where like that cop is a is a terrible person yeah. who who's wants to prioritize taking this black man to jail because over, he asked for help over because he was asking he was bugging a fire a firefighter. A firefighter to go down the street and mm -hmm. put out the fires yeah. on another street because the houses were burning and yeah. meanwhile the street is on fire and it's lava so what are you doing dude yeah. he's like I'm gonna put you in a squad car I'm gonna take my attention away from this and I'm gonna I'm gonna incarcerate you and I love that because his partner is like why are you doing this really right now and he's like look man if you're gonna do it that's your thing yeah like he just lets it he he stops him enough to say like why are you doing this yeah and then goes oh, just go on and then and then when then when they like reach a somehow they become equals yeah well because, because the black yeah. the, the the black character he he Does helps he have a name i don't think he's ever really i don't think named. he's given a name no um and he he helps move the the k rails yes which obstruct the the path of the lava and he helps the police officers do that and after that Terry, the racist, lets yeah. him go. And, right. and Terry's friend looks at him and goes, you're a good man, Terry. When he said that, I was, I full And that on is so just, real. That yeah. is so, that is so, I, blue lives matter, put Punisher he, on the hood of the car, solidarity, trash. It's real and it is horror. It was like, no, I, I just wanted to leave through and be like, you're not a good, you're not, you're not I, a good man, Terry. There was nothing about that not good was man. good. How many, how many people, how many, how many black individuals had that cop like right. hurt in custody? But that redeemed him for his buddy who like, definitely I'm so glad knows. that race that racist cop got a yeah. character arc on this. Yeah. Because he let the guy go because he had no reason to arrest him in the first place. Yeah. And he's cool. redeemed. And he's and we can all feel yeah. good about it. Yeah, we're all he's a good man. Um but yeah, that God, that fucking that, that mustache. <laughs> that mustache was so that mustache that mu that was, was so racist. Straight out of central casting. Oh my god. With that mustache. Yeah. No, that was it just in general, I mean, even like even the racist cop aside, mm -hmm. there's so many different levels of this where you're just like, well, but why? Yeah. Which I like. I mean, Gabby Hoffman. Why? <laughs> early, why? early Gabby. Early Gabby, which like I, I do. Not her fault. It, it wasn't Gabby Hoffman's fault. It's just that I never bothered to learn the character's name. Right. Um, the only the only character whose name I bothered to learn was Mike. Yeah. Everyone else is just it's Anne Hayes. I am forgetting Anne Hayes' name. I think right she now. was Amy. Oh, and Rachel. I did learn Rachel's I remember name. Rachel. Ra we'll, because, we'll get into Rachel yeah. later. But uh, but yeah, no. I mean, like, why was why was there Jade? I think was the name of the the doctor who she was just there. Yeah, yeah, she was just there. But she and she had her own subplot that involved her sc her scumbag boyfriend, has her fiance. Yeah, who wanted her to quit working at St. Vincent Vincent's in downtown. Who was Aiden from Sex in the City? Yeah, but playing like really sleazy. Uh, yeah, dirtbag, dirtbag architect and real estate developer. Yeah. And he wanted her to quit her job there at St. Vincent's to work at Cedar sinai Jordan, what's your favorite quote from this movie? Just drop it on me right now. Is it is it the one that involves like my roommate? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I live with a nurse and there's just an incredible moment in in Volcano where this 
ER doc, like this is a trauma doctor at a at a hospital that we kind of are led to believe is in a in a rougher area of town. She deals with a lot of like triage, it seems like. And she's doing her job, which she surely has been doing the entire time she has known her shitty real estate developer boyfriend. She's addressing the biggest crisis in the history of Los Angeles, treating people in a parking lot who suffered like devastating injuries. And he, he, you know, he, he tells her, he's like, you need to, you know, I need, I need my, I want my wife, I don't want my wife to be treating gunshot wounds. I want her to be treating tennis elbow. Yeah. That's why he wants her to work at the, yes, admittedly very rich areas, you know, located Cedar, Cedar Sinai. It, It caters to a higher end clientele. But given that I know people who are working in the cardiac failure unit of Cedar Sinai, uh, and I brought this information to them, they were like, wow, I wish I treated tennis elbow. Yeah. It's just, but I also don't know why that entire subplot exists. It just like, why is that there? When we could have been getting way more time with Rachel. We, we could have been getting way more time with Rachel. And more importantly, Rachel and Anne Hayes. Yeah. Who, who is the, you know, it's really the love that dare not speak its name. Yeah, there's supposed to be a love story in this. It's supposed to be that there's sort of a will they, won't they with, with Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Hayes. But that's sort of like asking a bulldog to have a romantic relationship with a plank of wood. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and instead what does come up is that Anne Heche has a, um, charming, very short haircutted. Yeah. Round glasses. She looks like the drawing of Harry Potter on the early edition <laughs> of Harry Potter and the philosopher's stone. <laughs> That's not wrong. It's not wrong. Seismology sidekick cohort yeah. named Rachel. Yeah. Um, who Rachel is deeply in love. I think it's very safe to say deeply in love yeah. with Amy or Anne. Or yeah, Rachel. she's like heckling her over the quote unquote chemistry she shares with Tommy Lee Jones, which yeah. is clearly a defensive act because she feels a sense of unrequited love toward Anne Heche's character. And Anne Heche's character at best looks at Tommy Lee Jones's character with like a father-daughter kind of admiration because the age difference must be half a century. Yeah. And he was only 51 in this movie, by the way. That is and Tommy Lee Jones has been 65 since he was <laughs> yeah. 30. So yeah. and remains. Yeah. And the only like there is a there is a moment when Rachel is giving Anne Heche's character shit about like the, her, you know, her banter with with Mike. Mm-hmm. And in return for this loving banter, Anne Heche's character actually like grabs Rachel lovingly by the throat in the most just the gayest moment in all of Volcano. And we are led to believe that they have a strictly coworker relationship. Yeah, I didn't get how everyone on Twitter is always like, I'd let Rachel Weiss step on my throat. And I'm like, I didn't get that until I watched that dynamic. And I was like, oh, that's what everyone wants. Which is why this is inherently queer thirst. Yeah. Like it goes, it's it dates so back. Specific. Here we see, here we see it right there. Her her for her employee, basically, because she's clearly like the senior geologist in the situation, she puts her arms a very intimate act puts her hands around the neck of Rachel around her throat. Yeah. And it's basically like, Oh you, it's like, this isn't the first time. And ideally in your guys's estimation and Haitian Rachel, this is not the last time, but unfortunately the earth vagina has, it has other plans. Other plans. They go down into, they, d- so there's this like steam explosion, which mm-hmm. deeply traumatized me as a child. It's when I saw that it's really like the scariest. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's incredibly well done. Actually yeah. it is, T- truly terrifying. Yeah, the, for a movie that mostly doesn't have scary moments in it, that yeah. that whole in like the death of the metro guy, not scary, mm-hmm. mostly hilarious. Mm-hmm. But this that moment with the sub with the guys working the DWP guys, mm-hmm. damn, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they so anyway, so Anne Hayes and Rachel are unconvinced that it is just a steam explosion, and so they decide to go down into the tunnels to investigate. Um, Completely confused about what they're doing, apparently, because that, like they aren't taking samples. They're yeah. not really doing a whole lot of geologying. <laughs> yeah, they're really just they're it's, really just, it's there. just scouting. That's it. Yeah. And then um and then Rachel does what I would describe as a rookie error for mm-hmm. sampling purposes. <laughs> which is that you don't stand legs akimbo yeah. straddling a fissure. <laughs> no, no. Like that you think steam is coming out of. Because yeah. in a best case that scenario. That has already killed like seven people. Yeah, like in a best case scenario, steam comes out of that and goes directly up your vulva. <laughs> yes. Like that's a best case mm-hmm, outcome. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the worst case outcome is what happens, mm-hmm. which is that there is an earthquake of some sort mm-hmm. and then uh, the steam 
vent, which is really just a metaphor. It's like it's a symbolic vagina. Mm-hmm. Uh, opens up, swallowing Rachel whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anne Hage can do nothing but watch and stare in horror. As her lover is eaten by the earth. Yeah. And just falls down into this empty crevice that then like she scrambles over and looks down and there's nothing. Yeah. There's no like body at the bottom. It's a bottomless black pit. <laughs> yeah, it's going to the core of the earth. Yeah. It is the deepest crack ever to see the uh, that Rachel <laughs> fell into this yeah. deep, deep earth vagina. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, the best thing being that afterwards. So the earthquake has happened. There is now like the volcano started to erupt. Ash is falling. And being a very L.A. movie, looting has broken out. <laughs> yes. And Anne H. gets up to the surface, goes to the truck, takes off her gear to start crying dramatically, and an extra just runs by and grabs the gear and snatches that air tank right up. It's so good. Doesn't miss a beat. It's like an SNL sketch. It was the best bit of, I I don't know how you don't nominate that as a best director (laughs) just for knowing that that's what should happen. There's no pure, truer moment in cinema. Well, and furthering our confirmation that... Anne Hage's character is LGBTQ. She's driving a Hummer yeah. around Los Angeles. Yeah, like, she's just got. That- she's driving her ultimate sport utility vehicle through through Los Angeles, <laughs> carrying her and her lover Rachel, yeah. which I'm considering canon at this point. It 100 percent is. I mean, and I, like- we we can't we can't miss we can't omit the fact that when she finally gets to the side of the volcano, yes! I have that in my notes. Anne Hage's character sees the carnage, <laughs> sees the geological fucking nightmare that is a volcano squarely in the dead center of los angeles and her first response is god rachel you would have loved this i know like this is this is not the time to be sentimental about what your dead lover would have enjoyed about the (laughs) apocalyptic scenario in front of you multiple people have already died at this point there are cars in the street there is nothing even we have no idea how we're gonna stop it like this is so far an unsolvable problem and like in a best case scenario as a geologist you're looking at this being like oh because they don't really deal with the reality of like what this means right it cripples air traffic for the foreseeable future yes um just the fumes alone you can't you have to basically when they were saying like we'd have to evacuate the whole west side it's over a million people they're not wrong yeah 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 Rachel probably wouldn't have loved this. Yeah, if so, I'm, I'm I liked Rachel, and I honestly I believe better from her. Yeah, I uh, even in our brief time together, I expect better from Rachel than than delighting in a seismic event that is unprecedented in yeah. like modern American history. And you can Rachel can go elsewhere. It's not like she would never have seen a volcano before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she could go elsewhere to see this. Yeah, you can go to <laughs> Kilauea. It seems like and yeah. predictably, quite predictably, see this. Yeah, which which again though. This is a movie where apparently no one has ever seen a volcano before. Oh yeah, that's I think that's an important touch on the reality. Yeah, next like too. no one. I when they when they have the guy who's giving the KNX ten seventy, which God, that again taking you back. <laughs> I just immediately when I heard that I was just brought back to every road trip and ever as a child with my dad having to KNX ten seventy playing for the for the traffic reports and shitty reporters like this guy who did not know what lava was and yeah. thought that the best and simplest way to describe it was to say that it was as if the tar caught fire, melted, and somehow expanded. How do you even write that as a description? Like, like that's, where how does that, that come from? It's just how many, how, where did the expanded come from? <laughs> yeah. It didn't expand. Like, this could just be the amount of tar. It was a very <laughs> yeah. big pit. Yeah, it's a huge pit. Like, why is it expanding? Why is he not talking about that? It's like the tar caught fire and is also shooting big blocks of fire tar. Yeah. Like, none of this Say is. Say fire tar. <laughs> <laughs> But no, he, and then when they, when the helicopter it's pilots not like, are like, it's not like King Ghidorah has just risen and they have no context for what's happening. This is basic. This yeah, is, this, this is, is, this is not. And this is, even though this isn't an era before like, okay, fine. You could even argue like, well, people didn't have YouTube. They couldn't just see videos. But like we had videos as you Students still had televisions. Like there are ways to know what I think everyone knows as a concept what a volcano is. You even if you've never seen one in real life. And this, I mean, at one point they had the helicopter pilots flying around and doing the broadcast. I mean, like, we are being told this is a geologic event known as a volcano. Known as a volcano. We have a name for the geological event and they're calling it 
a volcano. volcano. I'm just not sure if this is maybe the first volcano ever in the history of the world. And ever. maybe that's a thing they should have put in the front of like, well, instead of explaining how the OEM works, maybe they should have been like, just so you know, this is a world with no volcanoes. It is like at once, it is once unbelievable to me that an adult man would, because when uh, Anne Heche's character is explaining basic geology to them, uh, she says... You know, she says a geological event and she very dryly gets asked, what's a geological event? And she has to explain like plate tectonics. Oh, yeah. And then later on, she says the word magma. And Tommy Lee Jones, Mike, Mike goes, what's magma? It's like, are, this is no. It's to also, be fair, he is from St. Louis. He is from St. Louis. <laughs> and also, like, while it is it is hard to believe that a, a grown up would not at least know, know the term magma. It is also actually extremely believable that if an adult man in his context had never encountered magma and therefore never had a functional reason to know why he would not believe it was in any way in his interest to have that additional knowledge or to, that extraneous it's, to or him. that it's currently happening because he really lives in deep denial for a long time about yeah. what the reality of the situation is yeah he's just like no we'll just put the bus up and the bus will stop it yeah <laughs> which is just so great they're like does no one see what's going to happen here which is they're going to go around the bus yeah no it, it's also like it's going to eat the bus yeah like but the putting the cars in the way of the lava was one of the funniest parts of the plan yeah like that, like that, that would basically be like, that would be like putting, that's like when you put cotton candy in yeah. water and you just watch <laughs> it go and it's gone. That is dropping a car in yeah. lava. It was great though. It did lead to some really, a really, some really good set pieces though. Like the, the part where they're dangling for no good reason from a ladder. Yeah. And it's burning their feet, which I really, I enjoyed that because yeah. they would technically probably be dead from the fumes. Yeah. But I liked that the real risk came from the ladder being on fire. Well, and I liked too that that even watching it last night, like, and, and obviously the effects are not like top shelf compared to what you have today, but that is a harrowing, good. that is a harrowing, harrowing moment when they're hanging over that yeah. lava. I really appreciated that as a disaster movie set piece. Like that, that was like, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. This is fucking cool. This is rad. It, it's it's a really well done moment, and it yeah. doesn't as bad as the effects. Like they're not great, but they're not as bad as you know. They don't not, age as well as you you might think. They no, they don't age as poorly. They age as poorly. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, no. they don't age as poorly as you'd think. No, they're actually pretty solid. I I I bought the lava even now. Yeah, all these years later, I, I was like, still yeah. would love. I haven't seen any like how this was made kind of things. I would love to know. I know they did shoot on location for Beverly Center. I remember it. Mm -hmm. Like. I and know that they, looks like that looks like I live in the area around yeah. the Barry Tarpets. I was like, oh, that's they, that they went there. They absolutely shot on location. I'd be curious to know how long and how much they shot on location because it's it's really like they did a good job. And with hysterically, it. again, back to like they didn't have to cover much ground. No, they did. They just, it was they truly, only had to shut down a quarter block. That I mean. was it. A quarter yeah. of a block. They're like, oh, my God, how long is it till Fairfax? And I was like, oh, my God, this only goes to Fairfax. Yeah. I could. I could run that in under a minute. <laughs> that is how much property did. Like, I feel like the property damage for this is coming in well under what even like the the most expensive thing that happened, I think, is when they detonate the high, the high rise yeah. that went down. I think that's actually the most expensive piece of damage. And they fully did that themselves. Yeah. That's for a reason. But that that was, I think, the single most expensive thing that happened. I, I would movie. I would absolutely agree. That's that's probably the most because it doesn't go down as far as we know. Well it does kind of go down the residential street because there is the scene totally unnecessary, but I love that they kept it in, where the dog barks at the lava. Right. Which again, think about the that's like think the about one the part of lava on Stanley go, Avenue. Think about the amount of work that had to go into putting that scene together. They had to get a dog who was trained they had to get the dog on set and uh -huh. they had to choreograph this scene with the dog barking at the lava. <laughs> and then the dog has a great, a dramatic escape too. Yeah. So this is a dog that not only can bark on command, grab the bone, run out the door, run through <laughs> and then jump into a stranger's arms. Yeah. That is a very detailed scene. That mm -hmm. is more work than they put, than they put into anything that Gabby Hoffman did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I guess you should hate teens. So but like, like, yeah, I'm just, again though, I just, my problem isn't Gabby Hoffman as a person. My problem is just the character being like, yeah, she just sucks. No, Gabby like, Hoffman's wonderful. Of course she's wonderful, but her character in this just sucks. Yeah. Like, there's no point at which she doesn't stop being useless and sucking. <laughs> like her one job is babysit the kid and she loses the she does she lose loses the boy. Tommy. She loses Tommy who I really has Children the, of the Corn Tommy. And the ADR on Tommy's oh, yeah. act, like I'm not a stickler in that way but like the the voiceover recording yeah. work of Tommy's voice actually drove me insane when I started thinking. You mean you didn't think that the words everyone looks the same <laughs> came out of that child's mouth? 
and and we will like when we we'll we'll dig into that and oh, what yeah. this movie was really about. Yeah. So we're gonna come back to that. Um, but I will, I, and and I think an important thing for the reality index too uh, is something that you pointed out to me, which is uh, Harvey Levin. Oh my God! When I like I've watched this movie so many times, and it wasn't until I think like two years ago that as I'm watching, I'm like, holy shit, it's Harvey Levin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which explains as a reporter on the scene mm-hmm. at the triage center at Cedar sinai which like explains so much by the way this is harvey Le- levin's villain origin story <laughs> is this moment you realize like and also shepherd smith is in it uh-huh, uh-huh. like there's some there yeah they, i thought i recognized shep, him. shep is in it he's in he's he's at the lava um and there's john beard is in it at one point who uh is on the I think it was John Beard. I can't remember. It's they have another guy. They have a couple other reporters from okay. L.A. But I fully Harvey Levin was trying uh, trying to be an actor. That's not Harvey Levin playing a right. a stand up reporter. That is Harvey Levin with multiple lines trying and failing to break into Hollywood. <laughs> and so instead, he decides to let it all burn, which he was inspired by because he watched it all burn <laughs> in volcanoes. And he delivered a a wonderful send up. Of a human interest piece. Yeah, that was great. It the, was, the veterinary, the the volunteer, spotlighting the volunteer veterinarians who are working on the patients who can't tell you where it hurts, <laughs> including a wounded pot-bellied pig. Yeah, the, the wounded pot-bellied pig, which I had a lot of, I wanted to know where that pot-bellied pig was being stored and how that, oh. how that pig got wounded. <laughs> yeah. Why, I, honestly, why Maybe did we get, bomb. I was going to say, why did we get the dog barking at the lava and not the pig? Was yeah. the pig not trainable? <laughs> All the pig, the pig was ornamental. Oh my God. I just, I would have, I would have enjoyed that almost as much. Um, so should we, should, do we have any more reality index I mean, points before we move into really? That's really it. I mean, we, we've covered the big thing. Yeah. There is the... This is the only other thing I'd say is that, and this kind of leads us into it is, um, you know, at one point, Anne Heche really talks about how the city is finally paying for its own arrogance with yep. the subway. Yep. And uh, I do just want to point out that Japan, which is far more seismically active, <laughs> yeah. has had a subway system since 1989. And there, from what I understand about the train systems, it's, yeah. it's exemplary. It's fantastic. And one of the safer places to be in Japan. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's talk about what this movie is really what about. What is this movie really about? What is the volcano really trying to tell us? Yeah. And I think one of the key messages here that we just really shouldn't look over is I think this ultimately is actually a pro NIMBY narrative disguised as a disaster movie because the key villains in this are advocating for mass transit yeah you have these sub like the head of the subway system john carroll lynch who is a bit of a brash bastard yes as john carroll lynch is often cast to play but like the movie opens with like service workers protesting that they want to stop the development of the red line. people there are nimbies out protest protesting not in my backyard people saying we don't want the train running under our neighborhood because they want to keep the the dirty elements out and then you have people shouting you want us to clean your houses and your buildings but we don't have cars how are we supposed to get to work and ultimately the people who are proven most right in yeah. this movie were the ones who are anti-public transit the entire time. And considering there is still a war going on in yeah. this city in your very own neighborhood. I, I mean, it's truly like for where the subway should and should not stop to keep the riffraff out. This ultimately, this movie ultimately condemns everybody who is on the side of providing easier, clean transit for the citizens of Los Angeles, which is a pretty fucking clever disguise I mean, to I'm wrap just, your message in. So I didn't realize it until you just pointed this out, but if you think about it... <laughs> We're here to think about oh it. Oh my God. So what do the subway tubes do? They insulate the they lava. They insulate lava. They're okay. lava tubes. Hold on. Where is the lava coming from? Outer stretches of Los Angeles. You're right. Who would be taking the subway into central Los Angeles? The people coming the, from the, the outer undesirables. Stretch. The undesirables. People the coming bridge from the outer, and tunnel people. The people coming from the outer stretches. This is the, so true. Oh my God. My God. The, the interloper lava. is the lava. The lava, lava is the people, the service workers, the oh, lower class. My the lava God. destroys Los Angeles. And the only thing that can stop it? White people. A white people high rise. <laughs> yep. White luxury high rise. Oh my God. This is so real. This suddenly. is, I just cracked this. Like you've, this, 
completely it's, it's has broken changed. wide open yeah. now it's broken wide open like what i is- mean going into this movie i had always been like this movie is about two things and this movie is about racism and this movie is about um gay subtext but the yes. nimby thing you really brought that to the table with this one that just blows my mind. I mean, I, I'm seeing it so clearly now. Yeah. And, and and John Carroll Lynch, for his efforts, um, he he is ultimately self-sacrificing and 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 reaches one of the pinnacles of disaster movie death. It is probably, I would argue, one of the best, like on oh, par man. with the grandma dying in Dante's Peak. Uh, exactly, exactly it that. Is- it is it is wrenching. He he redeems wanting mass transit to function in the city of Los Angeles by carrying a train conductor who's passed out in a subway car, carrying him to the edge of the car, knowing he can't save both of them, jumping into a small reservoir of lava and picking the man up off his shoulders who he is fireman's carrying and hoisting him with all of the strength he has left as he burns from the feet up in lava yeah. until he is eventually like the Terminator swallowed by molten liquid. Screaming the whole time yep throwing the subway conductor the grown man like a sack of potatoes yep. and he just lands which for is, f- his penance and for advocating for a subway system yeah, no that's i think if anything like we should all maybe have to fireman carry a train conductor <laughs> yeah. if we're gonna if we in order to get a metro card that's least how you everybody should. in beverly hills should have to do that well no we're uh, i mean we're gonna have to it's just what <laughs> the rule is now it's just really it so yeah, the, the NIMBY thing, I had never thought about that before, but you, you brought that up and that's a great point. Yeah. And, and what, and, and you, you mentioned the, the, the racial tension, the, the racism. And I yeah. think that's a, that's, that's absolutely something that this movie is about. Well, yeah. And that's, what's always like so interesting about when you're trying, when I'm trying to explain this movie to somebody and I'm like, it's not just the thing you have to keep in mind is that this is set in nine, this comes out in 1996, 1997. Mm-hmm. So there's. You can see the thought process of the writer, which is that there was a, the 94 quake uh-huh. and the writer's like, wow, that was a really big earthquake. What would happen if there were a volcano that erupted here? Yep. And then pulls a little further back because now it's 90 and goes back to the Rodney King riots, yep. which was 91, 92. Mm-hmm. And then is like, and also riots. Mm-hmm. And also the historical abuse of minorities by the Los Angeles Police Department. Yeah. And just really pulls those threads together in um, a fascinatingly unsubtle way. Yeah. Because this is not a movie that needs it. Um, (laughs) It's also a movie that doesn't touch on the fact that the lieutenant is is Keith David. Mm -hmm. So, like, the Mark Furman racist cop is answering to Keith David. Yes. And who who is deep, so underserved in this movie. He should have had so much more to do. Yeah. Like, they gave Don Cheadle just the right amount. Yeah. So Don Cheadle, spoiler alert, Don Cheadle fucking kills in this. He rules, actually. He's amazing. Don Cheadle does more acting with a Tootsie Pop than most people do in their entire careers. Yep. Um, And like a Kangle hat on. So cool. Yep. So cool. So Mm -hmm. perfect for this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's... It's not quite a Philip Seymour Hoffman in Twister. Like, oh, oh yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. It's, this is a weird performance. This is a perfect Don Cheadle performance. Yeah, it's a power performance. Like, yeah. you, can, you can draw the, you can pull the lines from this to like Black Monday. Yeah. That he just did right now. He's just a boss in this. Yeah, he's great. So, and, he, and he's charming and mm-hmm. he's likable. And honestly, by the end of it, I was rooting for him to have Mike's job, <laughs> yeah. which he says when he's handling the lieutenant or the police chief on the phone. Yeah. And Mike's like, giving him giving him guff and then Don Cheadle turns out like well you know at the moment he's a little occupied and yeah. it's like wow you are finessing oh he's absolutely better at manipulating the levers of power than Mike's character oh is. so much better the, the, Don the, Cheadle the, the head of the OE- job yeah, the, much the, more the shadow head of the OEM is Don Cheadle yeah and Mike is getting fucking credit for it yeah like but, Mike doesn't save the city Don Cheadle saves the city yes Mike happens to be at one point just working a jackhammer for no good reason <laughs> yeah. as is the job of the chief of the OEM yes is yes. actually just doing full on construction and <laughs> yeah. detonation he is touching like, I mean it's he's doing detonation work at one point there's so much that this job entails that none of us knew 
um, wearing cowboy boots, I think, the entire time as well. Oh, of course, well, because yeah, it's from St. Louis. Well, that's the footwear you need to protect against a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, like, the racism. So that's always so fascinating <laughs> to me. Going back to that. So the racism. The racism is fascinating <laughs> to me, though. to racism. Because one, again, you've got that like heartwarming crash moment. Like this is crash before crash. I was absolutely, it was like, oh my God, now that I've seen crash, this is crash. This is crash. It's crash, but more entertaining. And you've got that, but then you've also got the great moment at the end. Yeah, when here it is. Children of the Corn Child, yep. Tommy, is asked by Lieutenant Keith David, "Where is your mom?" Yeah, which is a reasonable question <laughs> for the fact that they, by the way, decided to put all the children in the Hard Rock Cafe together, <laughs> separating all the children from their parents. They were like, "Oh, oh my God!" Let's and putting corral- them in fucking captivity. Well, <laughs> God, that got dark. <laughs> But they're just like, oh, let's corral all the children into the hard rock, (laughs) leave their injured parents to die at Cedars, and then how are we going to tell the kids? I totally assumed his mom died. I mean, like... I was like, when he's walking away from her, I was like, oh my God, she's definitely dead. But there's oh, no way to know. There, no. Was no, but there was no collection system of like whose child is attached to this no, adult. No, there were no like there was tags no given. plan in place. So all there was these no plan in place for reuniting the children with their parents. No. Hmm. What a logistical and institutional oh fucking my failing. God. It's it's a really bad plan. And it's Mike doing it. And Mike, fortunately, is like, it was my idea. And he does, to his credit, oh. like, at least recognize yeah. how deeply yeah. bad of a plan it was. Yeah. But, like, no one at any point was like, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> leave all the children unsupervised in the Hard Rock Cafe, which has a full running staff. <laughs> Which I the love. Hard Rock Cafe staff is working so hard in that They were movie. like, they, they were cannot all help Gabby Hoffman find the creepy kid because they are making food for all of these children who have no supervision. <laughs> no. And, they, and, and uh, you know, the thing is, is that keep in mind, this happens at like 5 a.m. This earthquake happens. All of this and the is volcano, happening in the small hours This all of the happens in the morning. And all of a sudden, the entire Hard Rock Cafe staff is there working? They're definitely to in by feed. six a.m. I mean, I'm concerned about the working <laughs> conditions. That's why the Hard Rock Cafe closed <laughs> because they just keep all it's these poor employees system. locked up in case there's an emergency <laughs> and they need to cook for a bunch of straight children, <laughs> a bunch of now feral kids <laughs> and orphans. <laughs> the Hard really... Rock Cafe becomes an orphanage. <laughs> oh, God. Which then also, by the way, the kid gets out. So Tommy Which gets really loose. such a level of dystopia. <laughs> it's in like Lord like, of the Flies, except with just children this and is, this rock is the, memorabilia. This is, scene, this is a scene from like Resident Evil. The Hard Rock Cafe has turned into an orphanage amidst a desolate desert town. What's, where oh, the landscape has swallowed up humanity outside. I'm just imagining all the kids having factions being like, no, you can't go by them. <laughs> They're the Slash Guitar Group. <laughs> And it's just like the kids who live by the slash guitar or they're like, it's just, oh my God, it's such a weird, bad choice that I've never really (laughs) dug into before. (laughs) How little sense it truly, like they like you said, it's it's thank God that they actually like Tommy Lee Jones does acknowledge like this was a bad bad plan, plan. (laughs) but it's not, he's not like this is a bad plan because again, I have just left all these children unsupervised except for my shitty preteen daughter (laughs) who is the only one in charge and still loses a child. No, he's like, this is a bad plan because we now need to blow up the thing. Yeah. And the lava is coming right toward them. Yeah. Which, like, fair, it is a bad plan, mostly because it's a bad plan to have this evacuation zone, like, a half Pretty a mile. Close. Yeah. Real close. It's really not, like, not a super good idea, guys. I'm yeah. with you. Like, maybe maybe evac people out to, like, St. John's out in Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. It's a little further. Yeah. Go up to Sunset. I mean, Somewhere. God. Yeah, go to some higher ground. Yeah. <laughs> Look at a geologic map and just, like, figure out the topography. Do something other than use a basketball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which they do. They use a basketball to determine which Everything way the ground is about sloping. where the lava is going to go. Which again, there are maps. Um, her truck should have had a map. The Thomas Guide existed <laughs> at the time. There could have been different options on this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gabby Hoffman loses a shitty kid. And Tommy somehow ends up like on the street about to walk into an explosion. Tommy yeah. Lee Jones saves Gabby Hoffman and Tommy from the explosion. Yeah. 
by running further than any man has ever run before <laughs> in the span of five seconds, tackling boots. them out of the way and out of the way of this 50 story building, protecting them from it um, and saving them from this disaster. But then, so anyway, Keith David is holding Tommy being like, Tommy, where's your mom? And mm. instead of being like, she's Having dead. Having talk with him. <laughs> <laughs> he looks around like he's going to see, Tommy is going to see his mom in yep. this sea of thousands, thousands of, of refugees. Like, basically refugees, yeah. Yeah. And he, Tommy's be like, oh, it's her. It is that lady. I recognize <laughs> her because Tommy is four. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Tommy, four. Tommy can't even recognize his mom on a regular day, <laughs> let alone after a traumatic incident. Um, and Tommy, he's like, I don't know. And, Keith David goes, what does she look like? And then Tommy looks around and points out the most stirring <laughs> yeah. realization. Yeah. They all look the same. Because they are covered in volcanic ash and everyone is just a shade of gray. Everyone is gray now. Yeah. Um, until it starts raining seconds later, <laughs> yeah. returning everyone. Until it's, two, it's a sun shower, yeah. fully bright out and pouring in the pouring center of Los rain, Angeles. As if the heavens open, we're like, oh, no, no, not that much racial harmony. <laughs> That's too much. Let's return you all to your normal let's, colors. Let's clean everybody off. Yeah, and so they wash off all the gray, and uh, everyone is now um, their, their skin colors again, but we've learned something important, which is that... Um, if you help lift a K rail, yeah. Mark Furman will think of you as a human. Yeah. And 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 just as a refresher, Mark Furman being the crooked police officer in the OJ Simpson case. Yeah. Who's yeah, who who's whose past made him a very unreliable uh witness. witness. Yeah. In the in in his court accounts of of how the investigation because went. he's a racist yeah because um, he's a racist because because he is the he's the prototype for the racist cop yeah um so yeah it's just I mean man and then we've covered the gay subtext aspect pretty yeah, there's, thoroughly so, there's just so, there's, so much yeah so what so another thing this movie is really about is homophobia yeah and you know it was the nineties it was not a time do you think it's a coincidence that it takes place just south of West Hollywood. I'm not willing to call anything a coincidence after what we have just uncovered about the like children being sequestered yeah. into the Hard Rock Cafe <laughs> and everything that is implied therein. Yeah. But like clearly, clearly we are we are fighting homophobia on this one. And, you know, Anne Hayes' character has to force this chemistry with Mike because she's forced to live a lie yeah. to not be just happy and out with Rachel, who we have to see die, which is the most emotionally affecting moment in the movie for Anne Hayes' character. And an act of burying your gaze. Yeah. So and we literally just, we have, burying yeah, the literally, gay. literally, yeah. It's not even like she died. It's a metaphor. We buried her in the center of the earth. <laughs> Lesson, Inside a vagina, her own downfall. Yep. Yep. Her there it is. There it is. Her own downfall. I mean, it's just that's that's her it. sapphic desire. Ugh. I, I like that at the Cold. end they don't even bother really working on like let's make more romance happen. Yeah, there's no like that's that's touching a, that's moment with Mike or anything. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden Mike is with his daughter and they're gonna walk home to which we never figure out where their home is, but they're gonna walk home. Yeah, and then Anne Hayes pulls up and is like, "Hey guys, need a ride?" <laughs> in her in her truck. And yeah, they're supposed to be like, "Oh, this is a charming moment and promises a future for them." And Gabby Hoffman's like, "I guess you're my new mom." Yeah. <laughs> Having never, <laughs> ever met Anne Heche before until yeah. this moment, yeah. Gabby Hoffman's like, okay, strange lady, because she's accepted that yeah. strangers are your parents now yeah, that's in this post-hard rock world. Yeah, that's our new regime. That's, uh, it's the road now yeah, in about just, one square mile of Los Angeles. <laughs> but we just and have to assume more. that like, from that moment on, I guess they live in harmony. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they never talk again. Yeah. I would assume they never talk after yeah, this Yeah, I moment. assume he moves back to the Midwest. Yeah, like, I would. He's over this shit. I mean, to be fair, the West Side is now like they they have it looking like the West Side remains inhabited at the end of this movie. Yeah. Except for Mount Wilshire. Yeah. Um, I can say pretty definitively that is not the case. (laughs) That would not be happening. I mean, it would have been been a great time to buy a house on the West Side. Yeah. I have to say I wish I if this had happened, I wish my family would have. Uh capitalized on it and bought a house for me in Venice for nine dollars <laughs> that I could now live in, in in new Venice where the new land yes. was created yeah. from the lava yeah. flow yeah well I mean now now Los Angeles is larger because yeah. lava island has I will hardened say, off the beach the one really realistic moment in this whole thing there I was like that is the Los Angeles I know was when the lava is flowing through the storm drains and people just come out to watch it. Yes. And I was like, yeah, that is, that is absolutely what Los Angeles, what Angelinos would do. We would all be like, uh, well, like, I mean, yeah, it's 
like could go anywhere, but <laughs> yeah. let's go look at it anyway. Yeah. Like there's lava down the street. Like we gotta go. We gotta go check this out. Yeah. This is pre-Instagram. Absolutely. This is what Angelinos would do. I mean, in a post-Instagram world, there would be so many influencers posing by it with like yeah. a, an ironic that's hot caption. Yeah. Oh my God. Their own personal, their own personal Chernobyls in their very own Los Angeles backyard. <laughs> Just ass selfies in front of the lava fissures. Yeah. So much, uh-huh. so many ass selfies. But you know, to take it modern day for a second, uh-huh. um, this I think this can transition us into casting too. That's to what it, I was going to say. To take it modern day, day yeah. if you were approached by a TV by a film mm-hmm. executive and uh, you were told that you were going to have to remake Volcano today mm-hmm. and cast it, <clears throat> do you have a dream cast? Because I've come up with three. I think the bit players I almost keep in place. I love John Carroll yeah. Lynch as a bit player. Don Cheadle, as we have discussed, is lights out in mm-hmm. this role. Um, I want more for Keith David to do, but I guess I think I build out the role of yeah. the sheriff more instead of like taking him out of it because I, I like him a lot in this. But for the the core two, yeah. for I I I think for me, I, Laura Laura Linney really speaks to me Ooh. as a like senior seismologist, senior geologist. Interesting. And I kind of got to keep Tommy Lee Jones. And I think they have an utterly non-sexual, high, much more adversarial relationship in this where like it doesn't skew into like mutual respect so quick where she's like, yo, bastard, get out of my way. Like yeah. with that Laura Linney, like very direct kind of gravitas about her. Interesting. And Tommy Lee Jones is just so like an immovable object it's like I'm incapable of imagining for my end anybody yeah. else being in this role but him. But I know you have some different thoughts. I have some different thoughts. So my initial one was because my first thought was um, who there's only one woman in this world who could play um, brassy, mm-hmm. big gay energy. Sure. Brie Larson. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's it's hard for me to say no, I know. In but any, like, if that, anyone, that's almost pandering. I know. That's almost like shuts this conversation. I know. Hold down. on. Hold on. It's I, a bitch move. I know, Amanda. but it gets better. <laughs> I mean, but like, I was like, who who has that energy of someone just who start would also models and see what yeah. she does too? <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, who else would have that sort of like, oh, yeah. a little now bit I, rough and tumbly, like doesn't sit in a chair right kind of vibe, yep. except for Brie Larson. Yep. But oh, you got to have God. someone who goes up against her, and I can't do Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, that's that's right. That would be really weird. Too weird, but you know who would work? Mm. Leave Shriver. Oh, Leave is good energy for yeah. that. Yeah, very stern. Yeah, he's so stern, and his jaw is so square. But he and he also like seems to have a good sense of humor as a person. So yeah. I would like to believe he'd be like, yeah, "I'll make volcano remake." Yeah, I really want that yeah. to be true. Now, if I wanted to go with because Bree's too big now. Um, I know. I know. She, if we hadn't had that Bless Captain her. Marvel. Bless her. If she hadn't done King Kong and Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. if we'd gotten her after the room, we could have gotten this. Yeah. It would have had to like committed before the room. Yeah. But like couldn't back out now. Exactly. Yeah. So can't do that. But um, you know who, who needs some extra funds for her upcoming wedding mm. is uh, Rosario Dawson. Oh, I like that too. That's a good idea. Because Rosario Dawson can she's deliver. Very, she's a lot of so conviction good at, there. So good at a lot exposition. Of <laughs> a lot of exposition <laughs> happening. Because I was like, who could deliver exposition well? And it's Rosario Dawson. Uh-huh. Who's she going to go up against? You need someone. She's a little sterner. She is a little harder edged. Mm-hmm. Who do you go up against? You got to get a little softer mm-hmm. for the Tommy Lee Jones character, Kyle Chandler. That's inspired. I think Kyle Chandler is an inspired Yeah choice for that role because uh, i told you i couldn't think of anybody who would fit for this uh-huh until i started to look through a list of just actors over 40 and i just <laughs> went down that list until i found kyle chandler uh-huh and then i remembered him on Grey's anatomy as the bomb diffusing guy oh and yeah. i was like yeah he works he can do this he can boss people around he told <laughs> meredith to keep her hand in a chest cavity on a bomb uh-huh i buy it but okay Studio's like, eh, I don't know how we feel about this. Right. We want something fresher. We want something newer. <laughs> You're right. We're going to gender swap this bitch. I was just thinking of a gender swapped option, so I'll come back to you after you finish this. Okay. Could be Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the fence. Yeah. But who I'd really love to see in this, Randall Park as oh, geologist. I like that. I like that kind of nervous energy that yeah. he can do. A little nervous energy, a little charming, a little self-effacing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because handsome, he's handsome, handsome, so handsome because yep. he's got to go up against the baddest bitch in town. Laura Dern. I was one when I was thinking of Laura Linney. I was like, or do I mean Laura Dern? You don't mean Laura Dern because I, Laura Dern is almost too strong. She's too. She's very strong. She's in charge strong. She's 
She's king of OEM strong. <laughs> king of Los Angeles. She is king of Los Angeles strong. The only person who could take Tommy Lee Jones's role uh-huh. truly and, and deserve the title is Laura Linney. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or Laura Dern. Damn it. I, I poisoned you on you that poisoned one. You poisoned my well. well. Yeah, I poisoned the well on that one. But yeah, Laura Dern. 100%. I, so that's my my true dream. So I like mm-hmm. started out like impractical and I was like, yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. Then I got to Randall Park and Laura, and Laura Dern. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I want that. Uh-huh. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to, for my gender swap, I'm going to kind of, I think I'm going to throw a twist in. I like the idea for some reason it's jumping right into my head of like of Ben Wishaw, slight oh. British Ben Wishaw oh. as the, as the seismologist. It's really heavily an aesthetic thing, but I also believe in him as a dynamic performer. Okay. Going up against like in her complete descent into like just fun viola davis <gasps> as as the stand-in for mike oh with that like just but in this like overpowering his tiny skinny yeah. ass like he's still british in this movie we don't take the accent off no. of him he's playing british and he is like unlike Anne, who was right about most things like ben is like a little too assertive with his dweeby like nerdy credentials and she's like i'm gonna shut your shit down right now and i'm gonna tell you how you do things here in los angeles oh my god i love it and he's like new because he's british so he's he's expatriated into sure. the states and he's like coming in with like a he thinks he knows most more about this situation and she absolutely knows more than him and i kind of love the idea of don Cheadle still being her second in uh, command don Cheadle is should be the second in command in all of these he's our rock i yeah we we center all of these casts around don Cheadle, and i think that in all of these cases the only case where i'm like maybe it doesn't work is maybe kyle chandler because don Cheadle is so much cooler than kyle chandler yeah that's that would be a chemistry where i'm like oh i almost feel like at that point you'd want don Cheadle more in charge than Uh you would want kyle chandler in charge (laughs) you'd be like but get back to him and i love kyle chandler but i feel like maybe you'd Mm want to be back to don Cheadle, Mm -hmm. which is even in this a little bit of a pull there are times where i'm like i we there's not not enough cheat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. He's he's so fire when he's on screen. He's so electric. Yeah. It's 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 he's he's a relief every time he's there. You know that the competence in this movie springs from Don Cheadle. Yeah, no, he's he's the center point. He's the anchoring around which the mm-hmm. rest of this movie revolves, including the volcano. Volcano could not do its performance <laughs> yeah. if not for Don Cheadle. So now that we have, you know, we've broken on the casting, Mount Wilshire stands for the for these purposes in the middle of Los Angeles. I, I feel I feel really good about the the revisitation. Like I, I think a movie like this is it needs to be honored yeah. with this kind of attention to detail. And I, I think we've done I think we've done a lot for it. I, I feel like we need to devise like a metric yeah. for like, you know, was this, you know, is is this movie itself like is volcano a disaster or is it does it succeed on its own merits? Oh, I think like I don't know, having having shown it to a few different people now, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it holds up for a first watch. Well, yeah. You know what? Actually, we're going to bring in on this one oh, uh, our producer, Jason. So great idea. if any of you have ever oh, listened to uh, the other podcast that I've done. <laughs> this, or any of the other podcasts on the website. That or, oh, on. that's right. This is Jason. We're on Jason's website. That's right. I forget <laughs> these things. I forget that this isn't just a, operating in a void. Yeah. We've got producer Jason here. Hello, it's me. <laughs> Hi, Hello. everybody. Jason, you this was not this was your first time watching first Volcano. Time. Um and you did not grow up in Los Angeles. I did not grow up in Los Angeles. I've been here three years. Okay. So how same, does this feel same. to you? Uh honestly, I found this mo- movie thoroughly compelling. Okay. okay. I really enjoyed it. I think that's I think that's the verdict yeah. to go with in this case. It is so I mean like I, when I went, I remember how the other day I was asking you if I had loaned you my volcano because I couldn't find it. Yes. You know why I couldn't find it? Because it was still in my Xbox from the last time I had watched <laughs> yeah. it. Had watched, and like, let's go, then it means it's still in your Xbox mm-hmm. from the last time you watched a disc. Yeah. It, nothing had replaced it. No, there's no, well, the, since the last time you watched a thing. And that the last time I watched this was probably three months ago because I was showing it to the guy I was dating at the time. <laughs> so this is like a, this is actually a benchmark for this you is, in your life. Yeah. This is a must be this tall to ride the ride. There you go, yeah. 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 It's a qualifier. Yeah. Yeah. So my point being though is that like it's one of those ones that you could, I mean, I think Jason, would you go mm. back to it again in like a year to watch uh, it? Again? Oh, I totally would. Not only would I go back to it, so uh, uh, a friend of mine and I are like starting 
starting like some movie night hosting things. Excellent. And I added this to the list of movies that yes! we have to have people over for. Yes. <laughs> yes. It rewards awesome. social viewing so much. It, does. it is. Yeah. And, and, like one, the big thing that, that I think is really interesting to watch in this movie is how much it's like trying to coddle middle-aged white men yes. into like, you know, reaffirming their own beliefs that A, they can still do it and B, teens are bad. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They he can is. still do it. They still got it. He just hops on a motorcycle at one point. He steals it from a cop he without consequences yep. and takes off on a motorcycle to go find Anne Heche <laughs> at Wilshire and Western. Who, who among us he wouldn't seize the moment? And steal a motorcycle to go track down Anne <laughs> and have a conversation with her at a payphone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's an incredible visual, too. Yeah. Riding off into the ashy sunrise. So, <laughs> so 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 what so what parting thoughts will shall we give for for our, our volcano tour this evening um i would say that uh well i think that we've all learned the importance of uh how bad racism is yep and despite their best efforts i would still argue that uh mass transit is good yep Yep. Uh, no matter how many times they say that there are several dozen buses running in the city, and they <laughs> they mention it quite a few times. They really do. How frequent the buses run. The repetition of this movie is really staggering. Do you think, by any chance, I know it's a, kind of an anti-public transport movie, but do you think there was ever a moment where maybe there was some money shoved over? Absolutely. To, to because for a long time it. in L.A., there was no chance that there was ever going to be a subway running through West Los Angeles. Like Beverly, yeah. the fact that Beverly Hills did eventually agree to let a subway come through here is shocking. It is shocking. I'm shocked. Like, I'm. I have talked to people since who still are like really anti the subway, and <laughs> it's just like, and it's happening. It's like whether you like it or not, there is going to be a subway stop here. Oh my god! I just realized that means that there could be lava. That comes yeah. within two blocks of my apartment. I mean, I'm sitting next I am to where so the, excited. I'm sitting next to where the lava bombs are going to come That's from. That's true. So. Oh, God. We're just so centrally located. Yeah. So much. Yeah. We're, we're primed for disaster, it's which so great. makes sense for us. Yeah. We are, pri- me and you, primed Prime. for disaster. Oh, I think that's the tagline of this of the yep. show. Yep. And uh, definitely the first episode title. Sure, yeah. Prime, <laughs> Prime for, for disaster. disaster. All right. Well, um... Thank, I guess this, this wraps it up. Thank you guys for listening to our first episode. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Um, you can, uh, if you want, first of all, please rate and review. Um, mm-hmm. That is going to be super helpful to us going forward because there are a lot of movie podcasts out there, but there are not a lot of disaster movie podcasts. Mm-hmm. We want to get to the top of not just the disaster movie market, but <laughs> yeah. we want to conquer all of them. I so, do want to say from a, from a, just from a, like, you know, having done this before knowing how the iTunes algorithm works, uh, the closer, the more people review it, obviously, but then the closer to when this podcast launches that we oh. get all those reviews, the better it is. Fascinating. And I assume we're going to be launching this with multiple episodes at once. It's a good yes. idea to do. Uh, and so if you listen through whatever episodes are available in opening week, that's very helpful. Great. Yeah. So d- basically, at work, do nothing but listen to us. Yeah. Rate Just and review play. it. Um, if you aren't already following us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at disaster underscore pod. Um, so that's again at disaster underscore pod. If you want to cyber bully uh, whoever has disaster girls <laughs> into letting us have that handle, that would be great too. Um, if you want to email us, I don't know why you'd want to do that when we're accessible on Twitter. Um, but you could email us at we're disastergirlspod at gmail. There you go. Um, so yeah, rate and review. Jordan, what's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. I am at Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Amanda, the letter R, and then T-U-B-B-S. Jason? Uh, I'm Jason Halftones. Um, and... Thanks. And oh, next week we will be covering, or I guess in the next episode, mm-hmm. we're going to be covering the movie Crawl, which just came out in theaters. Yeah, please, please do join for that because it's going to be a, it's going to be a real love in for Alexander Aja's greatest uh, next next most great creation. Uh, the the definitive alligator and hurricane movie of our time. Absolutely. Cannot wait. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.